Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. Ever wanted to be a writer? Have you ever thought about being a writer? Have you ever picked up a pen and then put it back down because you couldn't think of anything to say? Well, you know, I, we've got a guest today that not only is she a prolific writer, she's also a coach. And she helps people learn how to uh, put it all together and also to get the word out about what they do. And uh, her name is uh, Diane Bader. And uh, how are you, young lady? You were on the other day. It was great fun to have you here. I was. It was so much fun the last time we chatted. It really was. Now, we we had the uh, um, we invited Matt Shea. Now, did you have a chance to talk to him later? You know what? Because of the timing, it's been during the holidays, so I haven't caught up with him since then. But I definitely will. I know he did message me, so it's a fun. It was a fun episode to do, and uh, it was. Uh, I thought the the two of you ex- exchanged things really, really quite well. And uh, it's you know, you guys that are in the writing world, you have a specific way of kind of communicating with each other that the rest of us don't quite understand does that make sense absolutely because <laughs> you guys have all been there you know yeah. like like matt's written nine or ten books you've written what 16 um well pretty much 15 yeah oh well <laughs> it's double digits anyway it's double digits and so you've been you've been doing uh, this for a while, and uh, mm-hmm. you also have a, uh, a podcast, which is uh, t- took a little break for the uh, for the winter, but it's coming back really soon. And the name of that podcast is Escape with a Writer. So you get to talk to writers of all kinds of genres and how they got to be where they are. It must be fascinating. Well, right now it's just a blog. It's not a full podcast, but that's the next phase. <laughs> I guess is what's going to happen. So I'm just not sure of timing just yet, but uh, I would love to be able to do what you do because it's just so much fun talking to other writers. Well, you know, I can help you with that. I do know how. (laughs) I will pick your brain for sure. Don't worry. (laughs) So we can, we can do that. And uh, um, because it's, I got to tell you, this is so much fun for me because I get to talk to all kinds of different people doing all kinds of different things. And it really is, it really is fun. So, um, but talking about you, you've been you've been a writer and for and it, I think you told me last time that uh, you've been seriously writing for about six or seven years. Uh, probably closer to 10. So, oh, okay. gotcha. yeah, it's been yeah, it's been several years and I've got 14 novels plus one novella and learning a lot and meeting a lot of people and learning what program or what journey they've been through right and what their processes are it's just it's so fascinating because no two writers are the same it's really kind of neat it, it really is fun to talk to you guys because they are everybody's got their own story and it's all yeah. completely different and you know the one thing that i saw in your bio that uh i had totally forgotten about is uh and i think you have to be of a certain age to remember the nancy drew mysteries Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. The Hardy Boys actually were my favorite. And when I was done them, then I started reading Nancy Drew. So, and and then my mom, somehow along the way, I found out about Trixie Belden, who was way before my time. But uh, I've read a few of those too, and they were a lot of fun. so not only are you an a author and a coach and have a terrific blog that you're working on, but you also 
um, like to read? Oh, I think you should see my house. I have so many bookshelves. <laughs> <laughs> I, I My to-be-read pile beside the bed has uh, toppled over a couple of times, so I've been working my way through that. But, uh, but yeah, I love any kind of books, like, you know, any genre, really. And I really love reading books by new authors that I've never read before. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I had the opportunity to talk to a young lady. I'm not sure if I mentioned this to you last time. Um, she's 14 years old. Her name is Shanti and uh, Hendrickson, I think, or Henderson, Hendrickson. And um, she is 14 and she can write. She was telling me that on any given day, she can write a thousand words in an hour. That's a lot, isn't it? That's amazing. That's how you know when you're in the flow and you've got a story to tell. Yeah. And I, so I, I tried to understand how it works for her, but it's like, and it does it work for you this way as well. It was like a movie is unfolding in her head and she's just taking dictation. Absolutely. Really? How does that, how does that work? I really, I wish I could explain it. I really do. Like sometimes I'll just see or hear something and something in my head just goes, okay, we got to put this on paper. And next thing you know, like you said, you've got like a thousand words or 1500 words and you're sitting there going, okay, what do I do with this now? So that's how a lot of people get these ideas going. I have this great book idea, but I don't know how to put it on paper. That's the computer. (laughs) That is, that has been, that is my problem because, and also I don't have any idea and I can, we'll need a coach to do this, how to structure it mm-hmm. so that it, it, uh, you know, where it's going, what you're going to do with it, but then to do it, you know, page by page without, you know, skipping around and jumping ahead and doing, and really letting it unfold. That's an art form all by itself, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. It, it, and it takes time. Like, I think Matt and I were saying the last time that, you know, your first book, it's always your baby, but your next book is always the the better one because you've learned more skills along the way. And going from my very first book to now my 14th, 15th, I write different than I did at the beginning as well. So it, it's really fascinating. Like, especially like you said, talking to other authors and finding out their processes and what works for them. And sometimes what you do, maybe you tweak it just a tiny bit and something will click in your head and go, okay, well, if I do this, this works so much nicer. Well, even the structure of your sentences, um, I've been, I've been told that, that the more that you write, mm-hmm. your, your sentences tend to get shorter and more to the point, or is that, or does it, not work quite like that you become more aware of all the extra words like the all the adjectives that you know there's a lot of words you really don't need in a sentence because it just kind of drags the sentence down but when you start off you think that's how you need to write and as you learn to tighten your sentences and tighten your skills that's when the sentences become shorter because you take out all those words that really don't matter. Describe some of those words. So oh, that I know what to avoid. <laughs> um, 
something like it's cold out here he said frostily <laughs> um you don't need that ly word at the end your sentence should tell the story you shouldn't need us to hear that he said that frostily you know having that extra word at the end is just an extra word and it really doesn't add to your sentence so it's, those are kind of examples of things that you can take out that won't affect your story so you're kind of assuming then that the audience when they're reading is actually paying attention and when he says it's cold outside that's really all you need to say exactly that's all you need to say and your reader will already get that before you get to that final word and and actually it can slow down the story of what they want to read so that because they're at this point you figure that if somebody's reading at any point in your novel that they are into the story and want to get more to the meat of it rather than the flowery language kind of thing absolutely i i know personally for me the more flowery the language the less i'm going to read the book really <laughs> honestly i have read some that i just kind of went you know what i i can't even you have to work to find the story because the words are so flowery but there are other authors that can use that and make that really work so you just have to be mindful of how you use those flowery words wow that's it's it's a, it's really is a science oh um, <laughs> it's a lot to learn it, it's you know, an amazing you can, thing. anybody could write a book but you need somebody to edit who will help you to get rid of those extra words and to make sure that your book flows like it should flow. So you're not telling the ending part of the book at the beginning of the book or some, some writers do. <laughs> so. <laughs> and they defeat the purpose of the end of the book. Well, it, it's like watching those, uh, I'm trying to remember which shows like a CSI or something. And you watch, the, the mystery you watch the person be killed and sometimes you even know who done it it's just you have to figure out how and why so you can do a book that way and it, you can make it work but for the most part people want to know there's for example in mystery there's a mystery and how and why somebody has to solve that mystery now when because i know you do a lot of mysteries in in your work and when you're putting together a book like that, you've got an antagonist, you've got either the murderer or you've got uh, the, and the different characters that are involved. How do you put them together and mesh them into the story so it makes some kind of sense? <laughs> I wish I could answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, there's a lot of times that I will have an idea. I will have a couple of characters. And as the story goes along, all of a sudden there will be a new character comes in and I don't consciously create them. They just kind of walk on into the set and they're part of the movie, right? So it, it's really kind of neat. I mean, sometimes, yes, you'll see a person or you'll mesh a couple of people that you know to make a new character. But sometimes it's just the characters will take over and it just drives you crazy some days. <laughs> but, um, but it does make for a pretty good story when you have this character who, you know, came out of thin air or out of the back of your head or somewhere and they walk in and they change the story completely. Where do you think all of that comes from? I just 
like to say I'm lucky and I have these, I don't know if it's like a download from the universe or if it's just my brain is like continuously working characters and stories and all kinds of weird things. But um, I just think it's very cool. And for me, that process goes much better if I'm using plain old pen and paper. Really? Yeah. Can, can, can you write what you wrote? Can I That's read what problem. I wrote? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Read what you wrote. Yeah. Because that would be my problem is that I could write it, but I couldn't necessarily read what I wrote. Sometimes I need good light. <laughs> Just play it around a little bit. Yeah. It depends how fast I write. Sometimes I get on a roll and I write really fast and then I have to really work at translating. <laughs> so when you're putting together the characters and do you now... I've heard lots of different ways to do it, but do you put together like a, um, I've heard one writer was telling me that he takes a character and he'll build the character into a three-dimensional being with, he'll come up with a background story and, and what, what the character did and how the character grew up and where, and, and that seems like a hell of a lot of work to me. To get- <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> And there are others that don't you begin don't do that process at all. There are basic, very basically, two different types of writers. So you've got uh, plotters and you've got pantsers. So plotters are those people who they go in and they structure their story. They've got chapter one, this is going to happen. Chapter two, that's going to happen, and so on until the end. It doesn't mean they can't go in and tweak things later. It just means that they have like a blueprint to follow. Pantsers, (laughs) um, we tend to sit down with a pen and a paper and just kind of write down whatever pops into our heads. And sometimes the story will just keep going in this nice little straight line. And then suddenly you'll have a couple of zigs and zags. And then you have to go back later. This is where editing comes in. (laughs) You go back to the beginning And you add in those little things that make the rest of the story work. So sometimes it's a little bit more work of that way, but you don't feel as constrained by the ideas as well. Now, in your blog, uh, Escape with a Writer, which is soon to be a podcast, and I'm going to help you with that. All right. Um, But uh, because I think you would do a beautiful job. Ah, Thank you. What are some of the most unique things that you've been told by writers about their style or what they do or how they get it done? It's funny. A lot of the ones, a lot of the authors that I used to work with, I used to send um, like interview questions and stuff. And I, the one part I always found interesting was why people started to write and how they started. Some of them just had a story like, a life story to tell. So they wrote their memoir. Some of them would tell stories to their kids or their grandkids. So they'd be like, Oh, well I can do this, you know, put it on paper and make it into a book. And and it's just very cool. And, you know, we all have those rules that they've always told their writers, um, write what you know is a biggie. And I always twist that around because we all know so much we just don't realize it. You know, you can take anything you can see, touch, taste, smell, you can put it in a book, you can put it in a science fiction book, even though you've never been to space, (laughs) you know? So 
just because you don't know what it's actually like in a rocket doesn't mean you can't write about an astronaut. So, um, but yeah, it's really kind of neat that so many people have their own journeys and their own stories and their own techniques. And even some will sit and write every single day for so many hours a day. And some of us just kind of write when we can, because our days are pretty packed. So, you know, it's not unheard of for me to sit down with a napkin or a paper receipt and just write for five minutes, because that's what I have. That's, that would be amazing to me, that you could then take that piece of paper and put it with the other pieces of paper, have it all work in the same uh, chronological time frame and and you know what you're where you left off and where you're picking up and all that kind of yeah. stuff. That would be a challenge. Definitely. <laughs> now I got a question for you because um I've been thinking about writing my story, if you will. And I have like so far, I have like 60 different stories. Um, is that too many? <laughs> <laughs> well, it just depends, you know, if you're making your are you making like your memoirs or is it like an anthology kind of thing? It's more like how I got from where I started to here, uh, which is my childhood and the things that went on there and then uh, being in drama and then being in the restaurant business and then being, you know, the scoutmaster and then then this, this whole thing, which has gone on for 20 years okay. um, and, and, each each story has got a reason why it happened, and I'm a big believer in this. Is that these the sum? We are the sum total of our experiences, and the experiences that we have over life form who we are in the, at a basic level. And uh, and so, if you have an experience of of X, as an example, that that later on plays into who you really are at a fundamental level. I think. Uh, what do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even as a writer, I can't write what I write if I hadn't lived the life I've lived or had the experiences I've had, which is why every writer's books and writing are so different. You know, everybody's had different experiences. We're not cookie cutters. I want to say we're snowflakes, but that doesn't really sound that good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, that old saying that every snowflake is different. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, yeah, all of those experiences, like, realistically, you're going to have, you know, who knows how many pages worth of writing. But as you go through it and you organize it and you edit it and just tidy it up and make it more readable, you know, not to say you're a bad writer or anything, but as you go through and you edit and you tighten things up, it's going to become a manageable document. Well, one of the one of the things that I, I like to believe about myself is that I'm a decent storyteller on the radio. That I would believe. And and so I would when I'm toying with the idea of doing a um, you know, taking a, a voice to text and and doing that and then sending it to an editor for them to make sense of what I just said. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Well, as an example, I don't know anybody in, in the I've ever met who was hung by his brother. Um, 
when when I was when I was ten years old, and there's a whole story about how you know about the Clint Eastwood movie, which was Hang 'Em High, that was in the theater and at the time, and uh, my mom and uh, sister went to see um, uh, The Graduate, but they thought no, this goes back a ways. So you know, <laughs> the, grad- <laughs> the Graduate was too racy, they thought for us. So they sent us to see um, Planet of the Apes with Charlton Heston, the original, <laughs> in the theater. And and um, in, during that movie was, or no, in the previews, was the brand new movie that was just coming out by Clint Eastwood called Hang 'em High. And so we had a great big apricot tree in our backyard. And uh, my brother, at one point, he had taken a rope and he tied it to a limb and there was a, a loop on the other end of it with a ladder next to it. And uh, so me, because I was 10... <laughs> thinking I would pretend that I was uh, in hang them high and that they were, you know, you know, about to hang me and stuff. So I climbed the ladder and put my head through the noose. And then my brother pulled the ladder away. Oh, geez. Why he did that, he never said. He never explained it as to, as to what the, that was. In, in as long as he lived, he, he never explained the whole thing. But the, the funny part was that um, I had rope burns from ear to ear. <laughs> And he took, you know, those little band-aids, not the big band band-aids, but the little ones that are designed for like little little cuts. And the little finger ones. Yes. <laughs> he he took those and he put band-aids so that nobody would notice <laughs> band-aids from one ear to the other ear. Um, because he didn't want anybody to know that because uh, that I because it, it was a it was a good rope burn. Oh, no kidding. Um, oh my it, gosh. And, I don't know many people that have that story. <laughs> oh, that's the, the that's excuse the expression. That's the kind of shit that happens to me all the time. <laughs> so I, I thought that would be, you know, as a kid growing up, I thought that would be uh, a reasonably good story, and 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 you know stuff stuff like that, and and I've I've had a lot of those. So, but then I what I would want to do is to take each story and to put a um at the end of the story put a um what it means to me kind of kind of thing as far as you know how it affected my life and and things like that so absolutely yeah would that be would somebody read that do you think oh i want to read it (laughs) (laughs) it's i mean it's it's really is interesting when you when you think about the the different and we all have them we all experience as we grow up in life and and things change but i gotta ask you and I ask, I don't ask a lot of people this, but I, I'm going to ask you because I think you'd be aware. There's a, was there a point in time in your life when you made a particular decision that changed the course of your life? Probably several. <laughs> and that's, and that's, and that's very viable because what can yeah. happen is you have a moment in time when you have like, are two choices. If you make this choice, this is what's going to happen. If you make this choice, this is what's going to happen. And depending upon what you chose, that is the path. It's, it's common, like a tree. It's in, in it's like the, the branches of a tree that yeah. if you make this choice, you're going to go down this part of the tree rather than the other part of the tree. And sometimes they'll bring you back to revisit that choice 
in a different manner or, or way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> More <laughs> than you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, no, that's 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 rude. So I'm not nuts after all, huh? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> You're a creative person. You can't be. <laughs> <laughs> well, gee, thanks. Because uh, that's I, how I felt about, you know, and, and I've got story after story about um, a, a particular moment in time that I remember where I made a particular decision yep. and uh, it changed the course of my life and led me to where I wanted to go, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, so many books you read kind of convey that same idea, right? Like, in particular, you look at the Hallmark Christmas movies and you get these characters that go, well, I wonder what would have happened if I chose this path instead of this path. And then Santa grants them the wish that they get to see. (laughs) But, you know, a lot of writers will go back to that point in their own lives and say, well, let me imagine what would happen if I chose this path and create a book or a series based on that. So. Oh, exactly. It's like, uh, what is it? Uh, Jimmy, J- 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 Jimmy Stewart, a wonderful life. Absolutely. Uh, that, that is follows that formula virtually, yeah. you know, and you know, the other interesting thing that just got me the other day, I went and saw avatar, the new movie. Oh, how was it? Well, um, I, it was good that the, as we saw in 3d and there were some 3d effects that were, Oh, I felt really silly wearing the glasses in the, in the, uh, in the theater, but the 3d effect was very nice and stuff. But, um, I was, I was really interested in the story because I, the story reminded me of bits and pieces of a dozen different stories that I've, that I, so it wasn't, it wasn't like new from the standpoint of uh, this is this is really interesting i've never heard of this perspective before it was like oh yeah this came from that movie and this <laughs> came from that movie and it was like a combination of things that he kind of put all together to make it uh that movie as it flowed that makes sense yep that's kind of what we found with the first movie too it was uh one movie and one well move one movie that my kids and I used to watch all the time. And we just sat there and went, that's exactly the same movie we used to watch when they were kids. It was just a grown up version. Exactly. And because uh, this is James Cameron that we're talking about, yeah. who's the director and the writer. And the, the, the one movie that I thought he did very, very well was Titanic, because that wasn't anything that we had seen before. Yeah. Because, because Jack was not supposed to be there and 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 that's one of those things in life where had he not won that poker hand sitting on the dock and won those tickets yeah. he would have lived a long life yep there you go that's the choice <laughs> yeah so that it becomes it becomes the great uh conundrum yeah the conundrum of, of our lives is that the choices we make profoundly impact what happens to us. And you as a writer get to explore that on paper and pen and paper a lot. Absolutely. And it, I mean, I had a point in my life where basically I was told to stop writing by someone who was not going to support me in, in anything, but um, I decided to keep going. And I remember I was 45 
And I told myself if I did not have a book published by the time I was 50, I would quit. And here we are, <laughs> you know, 14 books later. Yeah, but you're not 50 yet. 12 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> is that, 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 and see, that is, and that, that's the other thing that um, I find very interesting is that for whatever reason, I don't know why this is, but somebody will come up to you and I suppose they have it in their, in their mind that this is for your benefit to tell you that you can't do something yeah. or that you need to, you need to get your head out of the clouds or, or whatever it is. I don't know what the motivation there deep down is. Do you have any idea? Well, for me, I was told it was not a career choice. So I know that person in particular, the, uh, it was all about money. So but the, but it didn't matter how happy it made me or whatever. It was just, well, you're not making money with it. So, you know, what's, what really gets me is that, that people, some people, not everybody, but some people think that money is the do all and end all. But I got to tell you, when you, when you get some money, it ceases to matter yeah. because that's not what makes you happy. And I think a lot of rich people find that out way too late yeah. because they spend their whole life chasing the uh, almighty dollar bill. And then when they finally catch the dollar bill and then they look around their life and there's nothing there. Yeah. It's a pretty empty place sometimes. And uh, Hey, by the way, that would be a really good book. <laughs> yeah, I like that. There we go. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, and then then they go through a period of depression, and um, they don't they don't understand why because they have achieved everything that they set out to do, but that's not why we're here. Yeah. And and so for someone like you, that is following your passion, and doing and has been successful. You've written a bunch of books, and if you don't have the 60 foot or the 80 foot or the 120 foot yacht to go sailing around the Caribbean. in I don't think that matters to you. You'd be happy with a kayak. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, does it, I mean, at the end of the day, does that make a big different deal of difference to you? Cause you no. would have stopped probably. No, as long as there's a roof over my head and food on the table, like that's, and you know, I've got my three kids that, I don't see them as much anymore as I would love to, but you know, I've got people close to me that make my life worth living. So. Exactly. And you know, what happens is the people who are doubters and this is for everybody, by the way, the people that are doubters and naysayers and Oh, 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 Diane, 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 you can't, you can't do that. And you, you need to go out and get it, you know, like a real job and, Ooh, yeah. and, and become like a, I don't know, a secretary or, or to, to make a living, you know, and, and, but that doesn't, that's not going to, but those people in your life tend to fall away yeah. because you're not vibrating at the same level that they are because you're vibrating at a higher level because you want to do something in life that, that may be, you, you, hell, you're only here for 75, 80, 80, 90. Oh, <laughs> Here I am getting on my soapbox. Anyway, you're not here for that long, you know? Um, a good example is now where I live in Seattle, 
there's a broadcaster that has been on um, um, Cairo radio for like 30 years. When I was doing my show 20 years ago, he has had a well-established three hours a day show. Well, at 61 years old on Thursday, he had a heart attack on Saturday. He died. Oh gosh. I'm so sorry. And he lived the life that he wanted to live. Had he, had he not, I mean, that's what, that's what his passion was, was broadcasting. But mm-hmm. how many of us don't do that and don't follow our dream and then they still, you know, end up just passing away. And then, then there's that regret thing. Yeah. I hate that regret thing. Cause that's another book I want you to write. <laughs> but an, but an 85 year old guy that, uh, that doesn't, that is on his um, like three months to live on his deathbed and he's reviewing his life to see what he could have done better, what he did right. And, 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 and then he can maybe go back in time. I got it. It's science fiction. He can go back in time (laughs) and redo it. (laughs) That sounds fun. I like that idea. (laughs) Yeah. That that reminds me of the movie, the bucket list. Um, Amazing movie really was my favorite my favorite um uh, line from that entire movie is after 60 never trust a fart (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) and that's that's one one of those lines it was i think jack nicholson said it it was a throwaway line but it was just one of those lines that just what did he say and (laughs) floored everybody Uh, but but that's exactly right because you don't know and, no. and so you you need to live your life the way that you choose to and the naysayers be damned now that person that that uh, said no you shouldn't and now that you're into you know double digit uh books <laughs> um have they ever did they ever come are they gone or are they still in your life no we're divorced <laughs> I, <laughs> oh i didn't i didn't know it was that, that was quality. one of those decisions <laughs> <laughs> well, and it turned out to be a fine decision on your part. <laughs> so, so that's that's that. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. It's all good. <laughs> I hate to make people feel a little, <laughs> but but you, you see, you seem to be perfectly okay with it. But oh uh, yeah, and I had I had the same thing. I I haven't talked to my ex. We were married for 24 years. I haven't talked to her in 10 years. Yeah. Um, because she's, you know, a different human being and I'm pursuing a completely different path, but I'll tell you what, the people I have in my life, I'm much happier having them around. Exactly. Much happier having them around than the people that were there that were, that were difficult or saying no, or, or that's a bad thing, you know, stuff like that. So, so it's good. By the way, we're talking with Diane Bader. You need to go to her website, which is dianebader.ca. Yeah. I almost said .com, but it's not .ca okay. because you's in Canada. I'm here in Canada, and it's actually been kind of warm and nice, so oh, nice. a little bit rainy. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's really cool, eh? You know? It is, eh? No snow? <laughs> well, we had snow over Christmas, so oh, it's gone now. Now, It'll now, the caricature of a, a Canadian talking, we use a lot but you guys really don't use that all that much do you you know sometimes you do and you don't realize it until uh, later and you're like why did i say that <laughs> well it's it's, it's like uh, i can always tell because uh 
Uh, somebody said, well, you know, from A to Z. And it's like, what the hell is that? What is that? <laughs> you know, we, we use Z. So, and we're right next to each other. That's kind of weird, I thought. Right. Yes. So, so what book have you got working on now? Oh, oh you goodness. got three of them, don't you? Um, right now, the one I'm working on, I'm editing a new book in my Glitter Bay Mysteries. So that will be coming out in June. And I've been puttering with a kind of a Christmas one, kind of a Hallmark concept, if I can do it without murdering anyone. So <laughs> that does seem to be <clears throat> now when that does seem to be the driving force behind a lot of your books. Yeah. Why is that? I, you know, I wish I could answer that. Um, I've always grown up loving puzzles, loving mysteries. I, when I was a kid, I read everything in the school library. I swear. <laughs> everything except romance. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if there was any mystery, anything that said mystery on the shelf, I gobbled it up. And when I was seriously starting to write again, um, I just didn't even think to go in that direction until I actually entered um, a murder mystery contest and they gave you, it was one of those old um, mystery party games. So they gave you all the characters, they gave you all the clues, they gave you all of everything. And you had to write the little novella to solve the mystery. And each chapter was in the point of view of a different character, which is very difficult. <laughs> trying to have a different voice for I think it was eight different chapters or nine different nine different chapters you had to have a different voice now was that did you write that by yourself or did you do it with a team it started off they were trying to get people to do one chapter and then they would pick a chapter send it out and everybody would work on the next chapter and then they, the publisher that was doing it decided that was going to be a way too much work for them. So they just said, just write the novella, send it in. So I I did mine and I had a blast with it. I loved doing it. And then I won the contest and I went, why am I not writing mystery? So here we are like 14 books later. Well, it's like you, you, you one of your favorite things was uh, in the Hardy Boys and uh, Nancy Drew Mysteries. So. Yeah. And that was that's what they were about. Absolutely. They were all mysteries. Some of them were murder mysteries. Some of them were thefts. And, you know, that just was the area that I was the most interested in. Now, now I haven't read the your books yet, but I'm assuming that they are more mur murder mystery, not murder gore mystery. They're classified as cozy mystery, which they take place in small towns. They're not gory. Um, the detective is usually a little amateur, somebody who runs the general store, or in my case, one runs a fashion boutique, one runs a craft store, <laughs> one runs a bakery. <laughs> so it just, they, they are murder mysteries in, in that somebody dies, and, but the person who solves the mystery has a reason for wanting to find out who done it. You know, it's interesting because uh, when you're talking about murder mysteries and solving things like that, there's a reason why CSI is like, like oh. they've got, 
they've got how many, I don't know how many offshoots they have now, but they have like New York and they have Las Vegas and they've got just a bunch of them because yeah, same I with guess, NCIS. Yeah, I guess it's really is a I for me it's a it's a little you know on the grotesque side when they start talking about you know stuff like that, but all the lab stuff and all the. Yes, well, you know, I'm I'm just really not interested in any of that and 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 stuff because it's you know, and that's another story I have to write is that I witnessed a suicide, and uh, and when I witnessed a suicide, I I I I I failed to think about that that person that was lying there in front of me while I was waiting for the the uh, um, medics to arrive and stuff, but. Nope, not for me. I'm afraid that's so. You know, but at the same time, you know, it's it's a huge genre. It is absolutely. I mean, I think that's why I don't write the gore and stuff as well, because you know, my background there was a lot of gore. Um, I grew up with hunters and all of that stuff. So for me, that stuff was all kind of, you know, for me it was normalized. But for other people reading about that stuff, they'd be like, no. You don't want to know. <laughs> so there, there, there were days when you uh, would go into the garage and there would be a deer hanging there. Oh yeah, that was kind of normal. Yeah, like I'm just, our neighbor did that when I was five. Haven't forgot it. And, and, yeah, you know, and uh, and he would hang it there so, to bleed it out, and then and then he would uh, he would skin it and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And it was like, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's a whole different way of growing up where I was, so definitely. Well, you know, when you think about it, in in the olden days, um, that's that's what they. I mean, if you were still even parts of parts of North America, that's still part of life. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you're when you have to depend upon wildlife for your survival, and uh, and you you have to go and and hunt them and shoot them and stuff like that see we we are so fortunate i am so fortunate where i live that that for me going and getting a, a steak is going to get something in cellophane yeah, right i don't yeah. have to make the connection after, it's not a lot of work it's all good <laughs> <laughs> well and you know i i i I was in the restaurant business for a long time in restaurant sales and stuff and so um, i i asked my son what part of the cow the steak he bought was from and he said what do you mean and it's you know it's like no they're different different cuts of meat for different parts of the cow and all that kind of stuff and he's like oh that's kind of gross don't you think (laughs) yep you know but i was also a chicken salesman so i i watched a bunch of chickens get murdered yep did that too did, did you grow up with chickens when you were young um my uncle my aunt and uncle's farm they did so every now and then there'd be a big party to get rid of a bunch of chickens. So, yeah. And the truth of the matter is they do run around without their heads sometimes. Yes, they do. Uh, <laughs> there are people <laughs> think that that's just a saying. Some of the nope, nope, nope. That's real. No, no, it's not. <laughs> and now did you have to then pluck the chickens and then, and then put it in a pot and boil I it? Doubt, at that time I was young enough. I could get away with not doing any of that, but you know, we definitely, because we were kids, we watched a lot of it. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. We try a little bit, and then it's like, no, we're good now. We're going to go play. 
the one thing that I've never understood is when somebody will, like, as an example, they'll have a cow that they raise from a calf and they'll name it. Yeah. And, and I had a guy tell me, I said, you named the cow that you slaughtered? And he said, yep, Bob is in the freezer now. So, yeah, we had pigs. Oh, yeah. We, we named them, but yeah, we didn't miss them later. So it was all good. <laughs> now, did you have the big, the big pigs? The one of them was pretty big. Oh my gosh. Um, I was probably about five. My brother would have been about three and we had this pig. She was probably a good four or five feet long. Oh, wow. And she jumped the fence on her cage, on her pen and got out. Of course, she was like three times bigger than both of us. We ran, <laughs> ran to the house. Mom, mom, mom. Rosie got out. And so my mom's like, okay, go to the shed, get some chop. I'll go get her back in her pen. And we're like under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we weren't much help, but. <laughs> you know, those, those are the interesting stories of life that uh, we tend to forget. Um, and, but they're, they're, they're fun to, they're fun to talk about, especially now when people are going, what do you mean? You're talking about killing things oh. and stuff. And, and all I've got is this little computer in my hand. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a pleasure talking to you, by the way. I'm 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 having a really good time. Oh, me too. I always have fun chatting with you. This is awesome. Well, I'm I'm so glad. Will you come back and we do it again? Absolutely. I may I may uh hoodwink uh uh Matt to come on in because I thought that was a really good really good that episode. would be a lot of fun, yeah. And you're you're very gifted at what you do. And oh, by the way, you. so let's if somebody wants to if somebody needs quite frankly if you haven't if you are of any age and you haven't started writing you don't write naturally you need a coach quite frankly yeah. and so if you want to talk to somebody that can help you uh, that would be diane diane they can reach you at dianebator.ca yep. and and uh and then you can set up a schedule and work with them right absolutely where we can i actually have somebody i have put off for the last week but i've got a couple of chapters to read for him so I, and that's what i'll do is i'll offer i'll read a couple of your chapters and see what where you're going and what you're doing and then we can do a zoom chat and just figure out what it is you want to do you never tell anybody i would hope that well i don't know let me ask you um have you ever said you know i think maybe you should go do something else because writing is not your forte you know what i to date no oh no. good um, read my stuff I, I mean i've had a couple of people that their stuff i i've told them that they need to do more reading and then go back to their book <clears throat> and kind of compare because basically their book was like a description of what they want to write but not actually what they're writing Oh, that, that yeah. makes sense. Is and, and one person I actually told him his read more like a textbook, so he needed to kind of dial it in. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but those were the two that really stand out. That I was like, you know, you need to do a little more reading. And if you want to write, reading books similar to what you want to write is a really great idea. Just because you get a feel for language, you get a feel for flow, you get a feel for what should and shouldn't be in the book. I mean, I'm 
the first one to always say, write the book you want to read. Yep. Makes sense. But if you're reading other books, you can see where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, um, and what you would like to have in your own book. So as you're sitting there talking about that, it's, it strikes me that if it's like, if you are want to be, I don't know, you want to be, you want to be a, a pro athlete and you're a kid and you want to be a basketball player, it would make sense to practice basketball while you're still yeah. a kid uh, in order to get good at what you're doing, learning how to dribble, learning how to shoot and all that. So it would make sense then that if you want to be a writer, that you follow the art form to learn how to write by, by following and reading other writers. Absolutely. I mean, you, and you don't have to be a kid to get started. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's one of those things. If you can type, if you can pick up a pen, even if you are unable to do either, computers can record everything for you. You know, there are so many great programs. Um, and I can't think of the one offhand, but there are programs out there where you can dictate to the computer if you don't know how to type or spell. Even even Microsoft Word does that now. Absolutely. And it, it's just so user-friendly. And you can dictate everything in and then go from there. Get someone to help you to make it, to clean it up and turn it into a good book. See, that's the problem that I have always had is that I don't write like I like I talk. And it would make more sense. And it, I think it would be better if I could write like I talk. Um, sure. You know, but it doesn't work that way for me. No. I, mean, I don't know why. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Well, I know. A lot of us don't because that's not how we were taught, right? We were taught to have very formal kind of English when we write. Yes. And I, you know, even, even when I see, when I hear a commercial, and I know you can probably do this too. <laughs> When you hear a commercial, you know whether or not it's being talked without a script or whether it's scripted. Yeah. And because like most, like in, in my world, most people would say, uh, let's see, what would be a good one? Uh, um, like, I don't need that or I don't need, you know, something like that. But but they, they pronunciate the word in its total when we, by nature, whatever it is, we by nature condense it a little bit. Yeah, we use contractions. Oh, is that you, what that's called? <laughs> can't, don't. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, definitely. Like you you would say things differently than you would write them up, you know, a lot of the times. And sometimes it just makes it look more formal on the page than how you would actually say it. Exactly. And now now I I, I am trying to do a little bit of uh of of writing. Can I can I uh, present something to you? Absolutely. And and you can you can critique it. Tell me what you think. <laughs> I'll this be is, nice. Well, no, you don't have to be nice. <laughs> uh, but but I do uh, I do commercials and stuff um, for and I write things. So what I'm going to do if I can find it, if I can, let me see if I can do this. Um, where the hell I go? Um, <laughs> Oh, never mind. I should have set it up ahead of time. But next <laughs> next time we'll do that, and I'll I'll, I'll set Sounds it up good. ahead of time and stuff. So, is there anything else before we run away? I have to, I have to leave here in a minute. But is there anything anything that you would like to tell our audience about anything that you would like 
you knew I was going to ask this because I did it last time. Anything <laughs> that you would like for them to know? Yeah, buy my books. <laughs> <laughs> that's the yeah. that's the condensed version. Absolutely. No, honestly, um, if if you're seriously interested in writing a book, um, I'm always available. Just you know, send me a message. Say hey. You know, can you give me some suggestions or some feedback or whatever the case? Um, one of the other things that uh, book coaches are set up to do is to help you find a publisher or to even help you through the whole self-publishing realm, which I have not done yet, but that's in the books. So, Boy, I tell you what, that is a minefield all by itself is finding the right editor once you've written the thing and it's you think that it's gone with the wind and you think it's perfect finding the right editor to rip it apart and rebuild it for you and then a publisher that wants to take it on um with without and there's a whole thing about publishers you have to be aware of as well because sometimes they'll say well we'll give you an advance <laughs> if they give you an advance correct me if i'm wrong but in like in the music industry, if they give you an advance and they don't recover that in the sales of the book, it comes out of the advance. And if the advance is gone, then you owe them. Yeah. And you, is that how it works? That's how it works. Yeah. Oh, that's. I, I can't say I've ever had an advance, <laughs> which is probably good. But um, I, I have a really great publisher that I've worked with for quite a few years now. And I'm just perfectly happy with that arrangement. But who knows one day I'll try sending something off to a different publisher and see what happens. Now I think if you're happy with the person you've got to well, use, because it, the, 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 the one, you know, is much better than the one you don't know. Absolutely. That's it. So Diane Bader has been our guest and I want to thank you again. And whenever you decide that you want to do a, a podcast and you and I'll chat. Absolutely. I've got your email address. We'll, we'll talk. <laughs> yes, we, we will. And I'll help you. Um, awesome. So, it would be because I think you, I think that it would be a lot of fun for you to do. I think it would be a blast. So Diane, uh, go, by the way, again, last time, go to your website again. I had, I had it go to dianebader.ca. You got it. And thank you so much for being here. It's been, uh, thank it's been you, such Kevin. A it's always so, so much fun chatting with you. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we got together again. And next thank time you. I'm, I'm going to hoodwink Matt and we'll get together and do it again. That sounds terrific. We will have oh. to do that for sure. Yes, ma'am. Wait right there, and I will be right back. Awesome. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because 